Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 26th day of November, 2022. I'm your host, Mark Call. Hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. So let's take a look back at the news from a holiday-shortened week. Most of it spun, some of it actually true, and a whole lot of it twisted beyond recognition. And let's start off chronologically now to try to sort some of that out. And since I kind of want to stir things up a bit, let's call this one the ugly, the good, and the really bad. So to start off, here's the ugly, and I'll admit, the Federal Death Agency really does have a special place in my heart because of the level of their perfidy and, of course, their murderous intent. I've said this before on the show, but it bears repeating as I introduce this story. I've had the personal experience of sitting in a hospital and talking to a licensed, oh-so-indoctrinated doctor about why it was that the hospital wouldn't allow me to have alternative treatments that actually weren't alternatives. They were the preferred treatments. They just were off-label and, of course, therefore verboten by the three-letter agencies. And in hindsight, it looks like they were threatening doctors, too, overtly or covertly. This guy told me to my face that hydroxychloroquine was no good because of that, you know, so-called study that turns out to have been highly Fauci-influenced that proved that, of course, if you don't use the protocol the way it's supposed to and you give it too late, it doesn't work nearly as well as killing people with something like remdesivir. And don't you dare ask about ivermectin. And I've said this before, too. Even though I actually had veterinary ivermectin for goats on hand, I was concerned. I was afraid to use it because I couldn't find any information online about dosages in those days. This was before the frontline community care folks made it more widely available. And had I known then what I know now, I would have simply divided my weight by the recommended dosage for a 500-pound heifer and taken it anyway. And I would have been, as it turns out, a hell of a lot better off and probably never even gone into the hospital. Oh, yeah, and I certainly could have bought an airplane with what it cost me, too. So this truly ugly story does rankle your host more than a bit. I've seen it in a number of places, but I like Jim Hoff's summary for the Gateway Pundit. Outrageous, he says. <laughs> How's that for an understatement? The FDA has now backtracked during a trial, and they're trying to get Americans to believe, you stupid idiots, if you even swallow this, that not taking ivermectin for COVID-19 was merely a recommendation on their part. One, of course, that they enforced at gunpoint with doctors who were beholden to any that they were afraid of to keep their medical licenses. Remember this tweet? You are not a horse. You are not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. That was the December 2021 FDA official warning that cost Americans to uh, shy clear of ivermectin because this is intended for animals. And how dare you think it might treat or prevent COVID-19? No, take your Zyklon B poison injection, you stupid fools. If you were a cow, you'd probably be smarter than to buy what they were feeding you. Now, let me make this clear again, folks. I'm not blaming anybody who, very much like your host, didn't know or was lied to about things that were literally life-threatening. And as a result, many of us either died or almost died and may, in fact, still be suffering the consequences of the lies from the Federal Death Agency and those who were pushing death because, well, why? If there had been an admitted alternative treatment to the Zyklon B, they couldn't have forced that emergency use authorization 
organization and all the mandates down people's throats now, could they? And they wouldn't have even been able to give it to tens of thousands of American military personnel either. Says TGP, this was a very controversial statement at the time, since the FDA had pushed the drug on African migrants as recently as 2015, and the drug had been praised. As a matter of fact, its inventor was even awarded the Nobel Prize in any number of scientific journals. And meanwhile, there have been over 93 scientific studies on ivermectin that showed very significant benefits, as a matter of fact, incredibly significant benefits in treating COVID-1984, especially in its early stages, but even in the later stages, which is when your host found, oh yeah, it still did a whole lot better than anything other than oxygen that I was given in the hospital. And yeah, that's my very personal, non-medical opinion. So here's the story of the latest satanic lies issuing from unconstitutional three-letter Big Brother death agencies in a November 1st hearing in federal court in Texas for a complaint made by three actual doctors who claim, and I would say correctly, that the FDA statements on ivermectin, which has shown positive benefits in a number of trials against COVID-19, violated their constitutional right to practice medicine, according to their understanding, not some bureaucrat or idiot or wannabe Nazi doctor Joseph Mengele. Said one of the liars for the agents of death, and that's my opinion too, These cited statements were not directives. (laughs) That's kind of like when the mafia says, pay up or else. That's not a directive. It's just a word to the wise. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. They were not mandatory, said the liar, or uh, lawyers. They were recommendations. They said what parties should do. (laughs) Or else, your host can't help but think, because I saw a doctor lie to my face, even though he didn't know any better, because he had been told what he was supposed to say, and don't you dare think otherwise. You patient, you, who do you think you are? They did not say you may not do it. And I'll read as much more of this idiotic and uh, insulting quote as I can stand. Quote, they said, for example, why you should not take ivermectin. You're not a horse. You're not a cow. Do they mean that one? They didn't say you may not do it. You must not do it. They did not say it's prohibited or it's unlawful. No, folks, they just said that if you give it to people, you might lose your license. And furthermore, you're not going to be able to buy it anyway. And if you can find it on the black market, it's going to cost you a fortune. And trust me, when I did find it, first off at least, it was hideously expensive. Since then, as you probably are aware, there are overseas sources from which it's more widely and far more cheaply available. And if all else fails, yeah, keep some on hand for your horse or for your cow, just in case Big Brother says we don't want you to have vitamin D either, or NAC, or turmeric, or you name it. And don't kid yourself, they're looking at that, and they probably will. Now, continued the liar, they used informal language, this is true. It's conversational, but not mandatory, unquote. If they had any shame whatsoever, folks, they'd be dead from it. Here's the part of the story that ought to really raise some hackles. The three plaintiffs in the case are Dr. Paul Merrick of Virginia, Dr. Mary Bowden of Texas, and Dr. Robert Apter of Arizona. And may they all be blessed. Can you understand the toll that takes that I have young patients, said Dr. Merrick in 2021, young patients in their 30s and 40s who I had to watch die while the hospital prevented me from giving them the treatment I thought was in their best interest, unquote. I can relate. Houston Methodist health officials, sick, began investigating and suspended Dr. Mary Snowden last year for spreading, quote, dangerous misinformation about COVID-19 and promoting the efficacy of, oh no, ivermectin, all because of the FDA's so-called opinion. 
the Nobel Prize winning antiparasitic drug, which has been deployed against some of the world's most devastating tropical diseases. As it turns out, and anybody with half a brain, that even includes those that can actually read medical journals, knows is far safer than the potentially lethal, experimental, and largely, especially when it comes to long-term effects, untested COVID-1984 Zyklon B, not vaccines. And uh, that's not exactly how they phrased it, but that is what the Texas doctor argued. Dr. Merrill Nuss, a marine doctor with more than 40 years of experience, cannot practice medicine after her license was suspended for spreading, say it with me, COVID misinformation and daring to treat patients and no doubt save quite a few of them with ivermectin and HCQ, hydroxychloroquine. And don't forget, folks, these are the same idiots who told you to wear a cloth face mask, rebreathe your own exhaust gases, decrease your blood oxygen content so that you can save yourself from a disease that you've just managed to, uh, if you listen to their lies, up the odds of getting. Furthermore, Dr. Merrill Nuss was ordered to undergo a neuropsychological evaluation because of her actions, all because of the FDA's so-called opinion about ivermectin and HCQ. This is satanically evil, folks, and, yeah, downright ugly. Let me say this again, folks, if it's not already clear enough. When somebody has been lying to your face, and when you later realize that they were pressured to lie to your face, and it almost cost you your life, you tend to have a pretty dim view of the kind of people who say later, hey, it was just a recommendation, and we didn't get you killed now, did we? But we tried. And for hundreds of thousands of others, folks, they succeeded. And the ugliest part of all, they got away with it, and they're not done yet. On then to the good, and this is certainly related, from Ethan Huff and Natural News, and it's a fabulous idea. I really wish there were physicians trying to do this in America, too. But a Swiss naturopath named George Della Pietra has started a new safe blood donation service to provide clean, unvaccinated, yeah, pure blood for patients needing transfusions. Since the general blood supply is now fully tainted with the so-called fully vaccinated, spike protein-laden chemical blood, demand for pure blood is soaring. And Pietra apparently saw this as a great opportunity. And uh, if he was in America, folks, you know what the FDA would be doing now, don't you? To provide clean blood, which is now in demand more than ever. He calls the Fauci flu injection, the Zyklon B COVID-19 mass injection campaign, quote, the crime of the century, and said he believes that messenger RNA COVID shots, quote, contaminate the blood. And this, too, is obvious, but they still call it misinformation, disinformation, and will ban you for talking about it, destroy the immune system. The problem is, if an unvaccinated person receives a transfusion of blood containing mRNA, spike proteins, lipid nanoparticles, graphene oxide, or who knows what else, well, I guess only the great god science and his high priest do, then he or she could also become contaminated. And that, of course, is why the idea of safe blood donation came up. Meanwhile, the corporate-controlled media is mocking Pietro while accusing him of pseudoscience. But the fact remains that pure blood is in increasingly high demand because nobody who knows better wants to be injected with the tainted stuff. Quote, I get hundreds of emails asking me, do you have blood available? Because I have a surgery coming up in three weeks, he's quoted as saying. We want to be a platform, he said, for people who want to have the free choice of blood donors. Whether they believe there is a real conspiracy going on, or the New World Order is happening, or if they just simply say, I don't want it for whatever reason. And no doubt about it, since the unvaccinated are being made into a minority, and if Big Brother's three-letter agencies get their way, they'll no doubt try to stamp us out altogether. The relative rarity of clean, unvaccinated blood potentially gives it a higher price tag. Who could have thought it? 
And this next line won't surprise anybody. The reason why Safe Blood Donation is running into some difficulties is because of official sources, including, who else, the U.S. Federal Death Agency, or FDA, which insists that there is no difference between vaccinated and unvaccinated blood. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Come on. But the trouble is, as Pietro himself said, I've never seen blood like this. When he referred to the anomalies, he observed upon investigating fully poison-poked blood, which prompted him to start safe blood donation in the first place. Quote, this was, to be honest, the main reason I started the whole thing, because when I saw this, and I guess he's referring to the kind of things that morticians and embalmers are pulling out of dead bodies of fully poked persons, quote, I was so horrified, unquote. Here's a related story, semi-good news, partly at least a segue to the bad. The hundreds of grants and investments totaling at least 132 million fiat bucks that were earmarked by the now thankfully pretty much dead FTX Foundation and its so-called FTX Future Fund for use in developing oh, all kinds of wonderful satanic stuff, folks, like new bioweapons, vaccines. Ethan Huff does put this in quotes in the natural news story. And other chemical and pharmaceutical products are now officially null and void, and the recipients of these purloined funds are in a panic about it. Following the announced resignation of the entire Future Fund leadership team on November 11th, one of the companies was supposed to receive a cash, or at least fake cash, grant from it, Secure Bio, lamented the fact that employees at his firm will now be out of a job. Oh, so sorry, unless emergency backup funding is procured. Hey, did you hear that, Tony Fauci? We don't think it's right that anyone should lose their jobs over a financial calamity totally unrelated to the excellent work they are doing, unquote, said the Secure Bio co-founder Kevin Svelte, who'd been awarded a $1.2 million grant to develop, get this, better pandemic defenses, according to Cointelegraph. Here's another one. A biotech firm called Sherlock Biosciences was supposed to get $2 million bucks from the Future Fund to study, and I'm going to put that in quotes, infectious diseases. Helix Nano, a similar firm within that same field, was supposed to get 10 million bucks for uh, vaccine research. And then there was Our World in Data, which was going to get almost 8 million bucks to track, get this, trends relevant to humanity's long-term prospects, unquote. Whatever that means, they say in the piece, and I can't help but think their long-term prospects, with people like this on the job, are intended to get dimmer by the minute. Oh yeah, and don't forget... FTX was also involved in so-called research to debunk the use and merits of ivermectin as any kind of a viable alternative to the Zyklon B injection. But bioweapons and biotech companies aren't the only ones that are suffering as a result of the demise of one of the biggest frauds in financial history. And along with it, of the so-called philanthropic work of the evil Samuel Bankman fraud... His Building a Stronger Future initiative is now putting the screws to ProPublica, good, which was to receive the first tranche of five million bucks in a grant this year, followed by more in 2023 and four. And I guess, to be honest here, at least this part is purely good news. I'm going to throw this next story in here, too. The fact that we need it isn't good news, but the fact that at least an appropriate response is finally happening is encouraging, if not actual good news. Texas and its governor, Greg Abbott, is now preparing military tanks headed to the southern border after Abbott himself has declared, what should have been declared a long time ago, the invasion down there from the south. 
According to a new planning document obtained by Army Times and the Texas Tribune, reviewed via Zero Hedge, Texas military department officials are planning to deploy a fleet of fully tracked armored personnel carriers and National Guard troops. And isn't it funny, folks, how the leftists who complain about this and are shocked, shocked, I tell you, that it could possibly happen, weren't really that concerned when Humvees and armored personnel carriers and military equipment were used against ordinary Americans for quite a few years now. Texas military department officials issued the order on Thursday to the headquarters leading Operation Lone Star, it reveals, and details the deployment of 10 M113 armored personnel carriers to the border. And by Friday, the Texas military department had released a statement that, quote, aircraft flights and security efforts will also be ramped up as part of an effort to use, quote, every available tool to fight back against the record-breaking level of illegal immigration. And yeah, Abbott has actually used the word, folks, invasion. And the story also notes that Fox News reporter Bill Malugin tweeted a shocking video from Eagle Pass, Texas, where a drone outfitted with thermal imaging systems showed, quote, a large group of migrants crossing illegally into private property earlier that Thursday morning. And it looks to be several hundred folks on the video. Imagine waking up and finding that tearing down the fences on your ranch. And he noted that U.S. Customs and Border Protection had said that within just one area, the Del Rio sector, in just the last 24 hours, there had been over 1,400 illegal invaders. And that's more than battalion strength, folks, with at least 69,000 since the 1st of October. For his part, Republican Senator from Texas Ted Cruz quoted Melinda's tweet, quoted Malugin's tweet, and then added that 5 million illegal aliens have crossed the border since Joe Biden, uh, and he didn't say it this way, I will, was installed in that illegal election fraud as dictator-in-chief. Which brings us finally to the really bad, and we've got several stories on this front, like concerning World War III. Concerns are mounting, says the summary from Zero Hedge, over the potential for radioactive fallout, hey, haven't we been talking about this for a while now, and disaster at the Russian-occupied Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in Ukraine, which had been captured by Russian troops following large explosions heard at the site over the weekend. Looks like Ukraine, or at least whoever's pulling their strings, is shelling the plant. Like with prior incidents of shelling and fighting coming from the sensitive facility, says the story, each warring side is blaming the other for the latest attack, although your host has to admit doesn't seem likely that Russian troops would be shelling themselves, much less trying to release radioactive material onto their own territory downwind. And that is the term that the United Nations International Atomic Energy Agency used to describe what was going on Sunday. The BBC said local sources say over a dozen powerful explosions rocked the facility on Saturday night in the vicinity of the plant, which remains Europe's largest nuclear facility. And the IAEA Director General Rafael Grossi called the reports extremely disturbing and completely unacceptable, saying, quote, you're playing with fire. you got to admit, that does sound correct. Nuclear fire, even. Rosatom, Russia's own official nuclear agency, said, quote, Kiev doesn't stop its provocations aiming at creating the threat of a man-made catastrophe at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. But despite the shelling, radiation levels, quote, remain normal, at least for now. And I do have to ask it at least one more time, folks. Do you think the very same people that want you dead lied about masks, lockdowns, and safe, effective alternatives to the Zyklon B injection? deployed bioweapons worldwide, and then blew up the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines in order to sentence northern Europe to a winter catastrophe, would blow up a nuclear power plant, inundate Russia with radiation, and expose the entire world to a nuclear catastrophe? Only if you've been paying attention. 
Right on schedule, there's been yet another mass killing at yet another gun-free killing zone. This time in Colorado Springs, another gay nightclub. It's called Club Q, where five people were killed, at least 18 injured, when a gunman armed with a long rifle took it into a place where, oh, he's not supposed to have one anyway. Who could have imagined such a thing? No motive for the shooting has been reported by the local police, although the gunman was finally subdued by a mass of people who evidently took him out before he could reload. Notice, no surprise, no reports of anybody actually being armed there in that gun-free killing zone, except, of course, for the one doing his master's work. If there were, we wouldn't be hearing about it. And there's yet another irony. The Gateway Pundit reports that this same fellow was arrested last year for a bomb threat against his own mother and was evidently on FBI radar. And, uh, does that suggest anything? Well, one thing we know absolutely for sure, before the bodies were even cold, the senile teleprompter reader, Adolf Reincarnated, was at it again, declaring he is going to take your firearms away come hell or high water, and he intends to produce both. Almost like he was waiting for it, he hearkened back to yet another suspicious false flag gay nightclub event in Orlando and said, quote, we need to enact an assault weapons ban to get weapons off America's streets, unquote. And if you believe that, folks, you probably think Chicago should be really safe, along with every other gun-free killing zone where every other mass murder like this has been happening without cease ever since they started doing this kind of stupidity and ramming it down Americans' throats while they try to disarm them so they can continue to do what, well, we've been talking about for a long, long time now. Destroy what's left of the country, stick a wooden stake in it, and reduce the descendants, few as there may be, to abject slavery forevermore. Is that not getting increasingly clear? Got one more really bad story today before we run out of time, and this too ought to ring very familiar. In Brazil, where they aren't taking the latest theft of an election by an openly communist, literally convicted felon and fraudster besides, who was released specifically from prison so he could do this lying down. Millions of Brazilians have taken to the streets since the fraudulent election there. The fascist so-called Supreme Court Minister Alejandro de Moraes then ordered the blocking of the accounts of a whole bunch of people that were guilty of doing what? Protesting the fraudulent election, especially once truckers started to take part in the protest. Kind of like what the communist Trudeau did up in Canada, if you recall. Oh, by the way, there was a story on that front, too. In testimony before Parliament, GoFundMe General Counsel noted there was no evidence of wrongdoing there or that any of the funds originated from the proceeds of crime, but Big Brother Canada stole them from the Freedom Convoy anyway. So see, the crooks in Brazil really are paying attention. But wait, there's more. Over the weekend, the Lulu minister then signed an order allowing child services to steal children from free election protesters as well. I guess really, again, that shouldn't surprise anyone, folks. First, they take your money. Then if you don't get the message, they'll take your kids. And then, of course, if they can get away with it, they'll just plain kill you. Finally, a story that may just be good, bad, and ugly all wrapped into one. The Arizona Attorney General's Office, you've heard this name, Mark Bernovich, and his so-called Election Integrity Unit, uh-oh, right there, you know we got a problem, has demanded a full report of the well-publicized outright criminal so-called election irregularities, and he now says there's evidence of, hey, do you think, statutory violations. The letter, sent late Saturday by Assistant AG Jennifer Wright to the county's top civil division attorney, Thomas 
West Liddy is a major escalation over the widespread obvious problems with voting tabulators and printers, which delayed the declaration of the fraudulent winner in the razor-thin, but not really, it was just razor-thin after they produced so many fake ballots, in the Attorney General's race, the Senate race, and of course the more important gubernatorial race, where Kerry Lake has questioned the media's premature declaration. Yeah, they did it before the votes were even cast, if you think about it, that her opponent, the election certifier, socialist Katie Hobbs, who wasn't really popular anyway, somehow, who could have thought it, managed to uh, win. But here's the more interesting story. RNC, says a piece from the Gateway Pundit, had roving attorneys quietly monitoring, uh-oh, the Maricopa voting centers, and one has finally released his damning findings. And the story also says, according to a report in Time, Lake's campaign spent $2 million themselves to monitor the counting of votes, that sounds like money well spent, and to be prepared for lawsuits based on the actual facts when it inevitably became necessary. Time said as many as 40 lawyers were in one central war room while roving attorneys monitored polling places places and vote counting operations. Said Brady Smith, the late campaign's chief political strategist, this is the most robust election day operation and post-election op that Arizona has ever seen. And maybe, folks, that explains the reason why the attorney general has decided, hmm, better try to get on the right side of this one before we run out of time. Well, at least people are finally beginning to realize what should have been obvious a long time ago. We'll pick it up right there after the Bob and the Hour break. Out of the second segment for this evening, and I'm going to start this one off with just a headline, and that's probably all I can stand, or maybe you too. Howls of outrage, says Zero Hedge Summary, after the New York Times confirms that none other than the greatest financial criminal of recent memory, anyway, Samuel Bankman the Fraud, is going to speak right alongside some of his other grifter buddies, like Vladimir Zelensky and Janet Yellen, at a summit of what? Criminal fraudsters? How's that for a chutzpah? Moving right along, this next piece comes from Christina Layla, the Gateway Pundit. And uh, I'm going to use the headline, but then go in a slightly different direction. Biden Fuhrer insists that he learned about his criminally evil so-called Attorney General Merrick Garland's decision to appoint a special counsel to harass his political enemy and the fellow that rightfully won the White House. Uh, in other words, to investigate Trump. And he heard about it, how? From news reports. No, because he's clueless. He's out of touch. He doesn't know what's going on in the White House that supposedly he runs hardy-har. Now, the reason why I think this is a funny story is because I don't doubt that there is at least an element of truth to that. And the White House probably knows that even if he was physically present in some meeting, not mentally, of course, he won't remember it now anyway. And so, yeah, he probably saw it in the news and said, oh, look, what's this? And uh, that, at least, folks, tells you where we are. The story goes like this. Biden was asked about Merrick Garland. Yeah, sure. And his decision to appoint a special counsel to attack Trump. Biden claimed he had no idea. No, I was completely ignorant of that, that his own attorney general was going to appoint such a special prosecutor to investigate his political opponent and uh, wreak havoc. 
I learned about it when you did, said the Biden Fuhrer. And as the story points out, no person with half a brain actually believes this. But, hey, we now live in a world where nobody questions in-your-face idiocy like this either. Yeah, he was clueless. We knew it. He did it. Obviously, he forgot. Hey, he forgot where his diaper was changed this morning, too. Again, why are we surprised? But you're supposed to believe that other guy is guilty of crimes the Biden Fuhrer doesn't even remember. Interesting news next from Arizona. Once upon a time, I might have said good news, but come on, is it really good news when people finally see the corruption and say, hey, maybe there's corruption here? Or is it just, what took you so long? There are now three, count them, one, two, three Arizona counties which will hold off on certifying the illegal, unconstitutional, and to put it really mildly, highly suspect 2022 rigged midterm elections in the state. And by the time the story went to press from TGP, there was one more, evidently Gila County. Now it's Mojave, Cochise, and Yavapai counties that have all refused to certify the purloined election. And there are only 15 counties in the entire state. Arizona GOP Chair Kelly Ward put it this way in a Monday tweet on Mojave County's decision to do the obvious and delay certification. Quote, voters in all rural counties in Arizona are being disenfranchised by Maricopa County's incompetence slash malfeasance. I'm happy to see that my county, she wrote, Mojave, voted to delay certification. And this is an interesting factoid from the story. Republicans in the state had a 72 percent turnout on Election Day, while Democrats had only a 17 percent turnout. But imagine this, folks, for some unexplained reason, (laughs) oh, we know what it is, the remaining ballots after Election Day managed to break even between the two parties, despite Republicans having held strong leads in the polls, which says something pretty significant to anybody with the ability to uh, connect the dots. This next item comes from Soviet Switzerland, once a free country, where Dr. Thomas Binder is a Swiss cardiologist with over 34 years of experience in treating respiratory infections. Hmm, can you see where this is headed? He received his doctorate in immunology and virology, specializing in internal medicine and cardiology, says a piece from Martin Armstrong via the Burning Platform from the University of Zurich. He's an intelligent man who was, of course, deemed insane by the corrupt Swiss government for daring to speak out against their idiotic anti-health so-called COVID regulations. Turns out, Dr. Binder's been an outspoken critic of the literally deadly restrictions since the beginning of the pandemic. On April 9th of 2020, the cardiologist criticized the government's response to COVID and provided his own analysis of the virus, put it on his private website, which received over 20,000 views. And imagine this, folks. Just three days later, 60 armed Swiss Gestapo and 20 members of the Canton Polizei Argau anti-terrorism, sick, unit forcibly removed Dr. Binder from his home, and ultimately he ended up in a mental institution because, well, if you don't salute the Fuhrer, you must be crazy. Authorities searched through the doctor's online activity, couldn't find anything to use against him. However, an emergency room doctor, sick, working with the authorities, arrived and diagnosed the actual doctor with, get this, corona insanity. And he's been locked away in a mental asylum for daring to question the official narrative. Other stories say they did force him to take psychoactive drugs. But, says Martin Armstrong, he refuses to be silenced. And he's now a member of the Doctors for COVID Ethics and German Physicians and Sciences for Health, Freedom and Democracy. And at least a few people are saying, hey, we ought to pay attention to what's going on over there. Because if it can happen in Switzerland, folks, and you know it's been happening in California... Another communist enclaves in the People's Republic. Guess where it can happen next? Actually, it's easier to say, guess where it can't? 
Some actual good news next amidst the bad from the biggest part of the American southern border with Mexico, where a record number of illegal aliens and other invaders are crossing into the once free United States on a monthly basis. The number of illegals, says another piece from TGP, is likely the largest regime approved migrant invasion in the history of the world. In September, a record 227,347 illegals were captured at the U.S. border. Who knows how many went unimpeded? Walking across the open border into the country. And so far, in 2022 alone, under the Biden fewer, there have been a record 2 million, well, let's just say just short of 400,000 apprehensions of illegal aliens at the open southern border. And that, of course, is an all-time record. The Biden regime then proceeds to transfer them across the U.S. in the dead of night. And that's the same regime lecturing the governors of Texas and Florida for daring to transfer just a few hundred of these same illegals in the light of death to leftist, Democrat-run communities that are oh so happy to pontificate and virtue signal, but not so much when it actually involves some skin off of their you-know-what. You've heard the term NIMBY, not in my backyard and not in my front yard either. It's for you peons, not us. Here's the good news. On Monday, Texas Governor Greg Abbott sent a letter to the Biden Fuhrer warning that his so-called administration is in violation, gee, do you think, of the United States Constitution for not securing the border with Mexico. And interestingly, he actually seems to have read the document, or at least his people did. They quote Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, and says that this represents, quote, an acknowledgement of the state's sovereign interest in protecting their borders, he wrote. And by opening our border to this record-breaking level of ill legal immigration, you and your administration are in violation of Article 4, Section 4 of that same U.S. Constitution. Now let's pause there and do something that the news media pretty much never does, and that's actually read the document. It says, Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, no state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty on tonnage, keep troops or ships of war in time of peace, enter into any agreement or compact with another state or with a foreign power, or, listen to this, or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. Well, I think, folks, it's pretty hard to deny that Texas is, in fact, actually being invaded, and not just in imminent danger of it. It's been going on at least as long as this corrupt regime has been encouraging it. Governor Abbott then goes on to say this, In the more than 240 years of our great nation, no administration has done more than yours to place the states in imminent danger, a direct result of your policy decisions and refusal to deliver on the Article 4, Section 4 guarantee. And I'll read that in just a second. Said the actual governor to the marionette-in-chief, in the absence of action by your administration, sick, to secure the border, every act by Texas officials is being taken pursuant to the authority that the founders recognized in the thing I just read, Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3. And by the way, the guarantee in Article 4 there, Section 4 says, the United States shall guarantee to every state in the Union, no folks, not a democracy, but a republican form of government, and shall protect each of them against invasion. Here next, a story from Stephen Stanford at the All News Pipeline that I thought was kind of interesting and certainly fits well today. He, in turn, quotes an article from Genocide Watch entitled The Ten Stages of Genocide, which include the following. Number one, classification. Two, symbolization. Number three, discrimination. Four, dehumanization, followed by organization, polarization, preparation, persecution. Number nine, extermination. And finally, 
denial. And from there, let's go to the analysis. Genocide, it says, is a process that develops in 10 stages that are predictable but not inexorable. And at each stage, preventive measures can stop it. And as ANP inserts here, the Second Amendment and tens of millions of well-armed citizens is, in fact, such a preventive measure. But remember, the process is not linear. Stages occur simultaneously, and each stage in itself is a process. And the logic is similar to the, uh, you've seen it, the Russian Matryoshka doll, where each doll has another little doll inside of it. Classification, though, is at the center. Without it, the processes around it could not occur. As societies develop more and more genocidal processes, they get nearer and nearer to genocide. But all the stages continue to operate throughout the process. And note, too, it says that all cultures ultimately go through them, the dividing of people into categories, us versus them. And we see stage one of the process of genocide has long been going on here in America, the classification, with even the Biden Fuhrer himself taking part in the demonization of conservatives. You've heard all the names he calls anybody who can read the Constitution, folks, or the Bible. And ultimately, that means anyone that doesn't go along with the left's literally satanic agenda. And as Genocide Watch notes, the classification of the future intended victims is key to the genocide that's being planned with all the other processes happening simultaneously. And that would mean stages 7 through 10 are already happening here in America under the Biden Fuhrer and the far left. Preparation, persecution, extermination, and denial. And with denial long heavily evident with uh, what now passes for the American government that usurped the constitutional one literally decades ago, that process of lying to the American people for decades and decades, and uh, with them, their mouthpiece, the waystream media, they call it the MSM, but I prefer the term Orwell did too, Ministries of Truth. But whatever you call them, they're now down to an absolutely horrid only 34% record of trust among the American people, and you got to wonder what's going on with the final third, although it's clear they've been dumbed down for those same decades as well. And while most Americans might say that government hasn't yet gotten to the out-in-the-open and fully blatant stage of government-sponsored mass murder like we've seen in the past, uh, some of us would question, given the Fauci et al. gain-of-function bioweapon, the Biden fewer, and the attempts to, uh, well, poison via the Zyklon B injection, the biggest number of people in all of human history that were not there, still it's pretty clear that that is yet to come, and it may be real soon now. Here are your host notes that I've mentioned other articles for quite a while now, saying that the massive deaths are in progress. We see it in incredible increases in the death by all causes category. But a complicit media helps in that denial stage of the genocide. And remember, some that are already dying don't even know it. Genocide Watch does say, though, that during active genocide, only rapid and overwhelming armed intervention can stop what is intended. Kind of makes you wonder how close we've already come to that, doesn't it? Back to some of the earlier phases, already well underway. All cultures have categories used to distinguish people into us versus them. Things like ethnicity, race, religion, nationality, German versus Jew, Hutu and Tutsi. And while today's Democrats, uh, I don't think they do this anymore, but he says they used to anyway like to portray themselves as for the people. Former U.S. Congresswoman and U.S. military vet Tulsi Gabbard recently warned that Joe Biden and Adolf Hitler do share the same mindset and that for the people of America, that is a disaster in the making. 
Yet, the mere fact that Tulsi Gabbard just removed herself from the party of the insane and is at the same time a U.S. veteran is a good thing for America because it leads people to ask just how many more of them in the U.S. military that are awake and aware and using that fine tool of discernment to cut through the BS that they're being sold and, of course, the poison poke that they're being injected with. Unfortunately, a lot of the best ones have already left for the obvious reason. For the sake of all future generations of Americans, says the piece, we hope there are many of them who are able to see the enemies of America within that have been warned about, well, since people started taking an oath that they seem to be ignoring. We'll also see here in this next portion that the ten stages of genocide at stage nine, or active extermination, once it begins in earnest, the only thing that could put a stop to it is that rapid and overwhelming armed intervention. That's the words of Genocide Watch, notes A&P, not ours. We pray that it never comes to that. But honestly, folks, I think one of the interesting things here is it probably already has, and there are so many people that are now dead men walking, that by the time that they figure out that they've already been injected with more than enough poison to kill them, and their immune systems have been destroyed, along with their heart, kidney, liver, lung function, and circulatory systems, once they figure it out, it'll be too late for them to do anything about it. The story notes this interesting point, though. Extermination begins and quickly becomes the mass killing legally called genocide, and it is extermination to the killers because they actually don't believe that their victims are fully human. And doesn't that ring true nowadays? When it's sponsored by the almighty state, the armed forces often work with militias to do the killing. And I'll pause there because that word is misleading in this context, folks. It's not militias that uh, Big Brother wants to work with. It's Antifa and BLM. Militias, of course, are the people that need to be exterminated. But at least as long as we understand the distinction, you can see what's being pointed out here. Because the goal of total genocides is to kill all the members of the targeted group. At this point, the story gives all kinds of examples. Educated members of the targeted group might be murdered, as in Burundi, 1972. All men and boys of fighting age might be murdered, as in Bosnia, 1995. All women and girls might be raped, as in Darfur, Myanmar, and so on. And that one, of course, has been repeated many times throughout history. Mass rapes of women have become a characteristic of all modern genocides, and rape is used specifically as a means to alter and destroy the victim group. Sometimes the genocide results in revenge killing by one group against another, creating the downward whirlpool-like cycle of bilateral genocide, as we've seen in Burundi. And destruction of cultural and religious property is employed to annihilate the group's existence from history. How many times have we seen this? Armenia, in the 1915 through 22 World War I time frame. Daesh, ISIS in 2014 through 2018, and so on. Total war between nations or ethnic groups is inherently genocidal, it concludes, because it doesn't differentiate civilians from non-combatants. Carpet bombing, fire bombing, bombing of hospitals, the use of chemical and biological weapons, like we're seeing in America and indeed the whole world today. They're all war crimes and also acts of genocide. Terrorism doesn't differentiate civilians and combatants, and when it's intended to destroy members of a national, ethnic, racial, or religious group, it is indeed genocidal. Finally, the use of nuclear weapons, as we see the comedian-turned-dictator of Ukraine openly pushing now, along with the Biden Fuhrer, is the ultimate act of genocide because it's consciously intended to destroy not only a substantial part of a national group, but a whole lot of people as well. They call it collateral damage, but ultimately it's about population reduction, writ really, really large. 
which perhaps, folks, makes this latest genocide the biggest in human history and the most comprehensive, if you think about it. And from there, this is a good day to take a look back at one of those overview pieces from C.J. Hopkins at the Consent Factory, Zero Hedge, no doubt Lou Rockwell and a whole bunch of others as well that figure out just how appropriate this one is. He begins by saying people can tell themselves they didn't see where things have been heading for the last 17 months, but really they did. They saw the signs all along the way. They were written in big, bold letters, some of them even in scary-looking Germanic script. And they said, this is the road to totalitarianism. No, he says, I'm not going to show you all of those signs over again. People like me have been pointing them out and reading them out loud for 17 months now. Now, at this point, folks, it's more like 30 months. And anyone who knows anything about the history of totalitarianism, how it incrementally transformed society into a monstrous mirror image of itself, has known since the beginning what the new normal is, and we've been shouting from the rooftops about it. We've watched as the new normal transformed our societies into paranoid, pathological, authoritarian dystopias, where people now have to show their papers in order to see a movie or get a cup of coffee and publicly display their ideological conformity, i.e., they wear their muscles like good little slaves, in order to enter a supermarket or buy their groceries. We've watched as the new normal transformed the majority of the masses into hate-drunk hysterical mobs that are openly now persecuting the unvaccinated, and that would now be the official untermension of the new normal ideology. We've watched, he continues, as the new normal has done precisely what every totalitarian movement in history has done before it, right by the numbers. We pointed this out each and every step of the way, and I'm not going to reiterate it all over again. But I am going to document where we are at the moment and how we got here, for the record, so that the people who will later try to tell you they had no clue that the trains were coming, much less where they were going, will understand why we no longer trust them, why we regard them as cowards and collaborators or worse. Yeah, he says that's harsh, but this is not a game, certainly not anymore. It isn't a difference of opinion. The global capitalist ruling establishment is implementing a new, more openly totalitarian structure of society and method of rule. They're revoking our constitutional and human rights, transferring power away from sovereign governments and democratic institutions into unaccountable global entities that have no allegiance to any nation or its people. And witness what we just saw with the CDC, folks. They got no authority, certainly no allegiance to the rule of law, and that didn't even slow them down. This is what's happening, he says, right now. It's not a TV show. It's actually happening. And, yeah, the time for people to wake up is over. At this point, you can either join the fight to preserve what's left of those once God-given, constitutionally protected rights and that sovereignty, or you can surrender to that new normal, to globalist, capitalist, and I'm going to put the other word in here that describes the public-private partnership, fascist totalitarianism. Says CJ, I couldn't care less what you believe about the virus or its mutant variants or the experimental not vaccines. And remember, they're not vaccines. That's just another lie. This isn't an abstract argument over the science. It's a fight, a political ideological fight. On the one side is democracy or constitutional republics and the rule of law, if you prefer. On the other, totalitarianism. Pick a fucking side, he says, and live with it. Anyway, here's where we are at the moment and how we got here, just the broad strokes. It's August 2021, and Germany has officially banned demonstrations against the new normal official ideology. 
and other public assemblies. He names one that Americans may not be familiar with from last week. But basically, fill in your Antifa, BLM, LGBTQ, politically correct, leftist riot squads and demonstrations. And it's all still allowed. The outlawing of political opposition, though, is a classic hallmark of totalitarian systems. It's also a classic move that we've now seen from German authorities, which will give them the pretext they need to unleash the new normal goon squads on the demonstrators tomorrow. In Australia, the military has been deployed to enforce total compliance, vis government decrees, lockdowns, mandatory public obedience rituals. In other words, de facto martial law, another classic hallmark of totalitarian systems. In France, restaurants and other business owners who serve the unvaccinated will now be imprisoned, as will, of course, the unvaccinated themselves. The scapegoating, demonizing, and segregating of the unvaxxed is happening in countries all over the world. France is just, at least for now, an extreme example. The scapegoating, though, dehumanizing and segregating of minorities, particularly the regime's political opponents, is another classic hallmark of totalitarian systems. In the UK, Italy, Greece, and numerous other countries throughout the world, this pseudo-medical social segregation system is also being introduced in order to divide societies into the good people, the compliant, the vaxxed, the useful idiots, and the bad people, the non-compliant. The good people are being given licenses and encouraged by the authorities and the corporate media to unleash their rage on the unvaxxed and to demand our segregation into internment camps, read concentration camps, and openly even threaten to murder us viciously. This is also a hallmark of totalitarian systems. And that, my friends, says C.J. Hopkins, is where we are. We didn't get here overnight. Here are just a few of the unmistakable signs along the road to totalitarianism that I've pointed out over the past 17 months. June 2020, the new pathologized totalitarianism. And then he proceeds to make his point by listing all the columns over the last year that warned about where we were headed. And now he says, here we are, where we've been heading all along, clearly, unmistakably heading directly into the approaching storm and possibly, maybe probably, global civil war. And this isn't the end of the road to totalitarianism, but I'm pretty sure we're in the home stretch. Feels like things are about to get really ugly, very ugly, extremely ugly. Those of us who are fighting to preserve our rights and some basic semblance of democracy are outnumbered. But we haven't yet had our final say, and there are millions of us, and many of us now are wide awake. So pick a side if you haven't already. But before you do, look back maybe at the history of totalitarian systems, which for some reason never seem to work out for the totalitarians. Well, at least not for the useful idiots that they run over, and certainly not in the long run. I'm not a professional philosopher, he says, or anything, but I suspect that might have something to do with people's inextinguishable desire for freedom and our willingness to fight for it, sometimes to the death. This, he concludes, feels like one of those times. Sorry, he says here at the end, that I had to go all braveheart on you, but I'm psyching myself up to go get the you-know-what beat out of me tomorrow by the new normal goon squad, so I'm a little, you know, emotional. Seriously, though, pick a side, or the side will be picked for you. Now, he doesn't say it, folks. I will and almost always do. Scripture is the real key here. It tells us, choose this day whom you will serve. It's made the same point even for far, far longer than C.J. Hopkins has. Come out of her. Be separate. Don't fall for the great big lie. The totalitarianism of the fake gods who won't let you make the choice that the God of the Bible does. And know this, too. They sure as hell aren't going to make it easy. 